Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for shining on today. You have probably heard me say many times on this show that I come to work each morning to find a bunch of inspirational emails in my inbox. I sign up for the things that I know will give me the rocket fuel to power through morning radio and help transmute any negativity I may find in my morning. Well, somewhere along the way, I got on Chris Cade's email list. If you visit his website, chriscade.com, you will be amazed at all of the things he's into. He teaches people all over the world, and he offers lots of free resources, too. Chris says, the only way to get what you want is to risk being uncomfortable. The greater your gratitude for discomfort, the greater the opportunity. And he says, it's our protective mechanisms that stop us from transforming our lives. Last year was a big one for me. I signed up for one of Chris's free email programs, and I had a lesson from A Course in Miracles emailed to me every day, every day a new lesson. Well, I had been trying to finish A Course in Miracles. It's a great big book since 1991. (laughs) That's a long time. My book looks pretty pitiful. I've taken it so many places. So I am grateful today that I actually get to talk to this Chris Cade and find out what inspires the man who has so inspired me. Turns out Chris is a student of the diamond approach. He'll explain that. And he believes that we transform more easily when we work within a group. The dynamic, especially of being accepted by a surrogate family of sorts, regardless of what we share, allows us a special freedom. But Chris didn't set out to make anyone else better. He was just trying to help himself. The driving force originally was actually not to help people. Years ago, I was actually in a marriage that was on the rocks, and I was codependent, fear of failure, um, fear, you know, just a lot of fear in my life, not in terms of outer world. I was succeeding in the outer world. I was smashing it with, you know, a six-figure corporate job in Silicon Valley, had a condo, all this stuff. But internally, when it came to female intimate relationships, I just had no self-esteem. Ultimately, what happened was I was in this marriage, and my wife at the time said, either get a spiritual path or a divorce lawyer. Uh, she knew what I didn't, that the relationship wasn't working. I wasn't listening. Problems would come up. I'd sweep them under the rug and then pretend like they didn't exist. So I went out, checked out the spirituality thing, found out I liked it, started sort of following my own path and discovering my own truths and what I liked. But I still didn't really care about helping people. I was still in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. For me, I just wanted to make more money, retire early. And she had these stories she'd been writing for her own growth that she wanted to share with people, just with family and friends, nothing big. I started brainstorming all these different possibilities, books and ebooks and websites and, you know, all, all these different ways. And finally, I said, you know what, I'll just make a website and I'll, I'll learn this internet make money thing or something. And she's like, okay, that's fine. And so I ended up making this website and it was just for her. And then I was like, well, other people probably do this too. I'll, I'll see if I can find more people who write their own stories. And then I was like, well, I like reading these stories and, and stuff. What about like ones from all these different religions that have been around forever? So I ended up making this site with a ton of different stories and, and posting them up there. And then I learned magically about this thing called email. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of a business before and reaching people. And I was like, oh, email, that's so cool. I could actually reach people more than once. This is kind of weird, but uh, I'll try it out. 
And I tried that out, and what happened was people started giving me feedback that they, they thanked me, kind of like, you know, what you just did, you know, appreciating what I was doing for them. That's actually what changed me. It was this feedback that I was making a difference in people's lives. And suddenly what happened is I shifted from trying to make more money for myself to get out of the corporate world early to how do I keep getting this feedback. It feels good. I like it. You know, still some selfishness in that, but the motivation went from money to feeling good about making a difference. And um, as time went on, my entrepreneurial skills sort of skyrocketed. I just studied everything I could and took it all in. And at the same time, I took in everything I could about spiritual development and growth and this whole idea of having a conscious choice in my life. And the two just took off and skyrocketed. And then in 2009, Actually, with a big shakeup year, I asked my employer to lay me off, and they did. And then I also filed for divorce, uh, started eating vegetarian, um, and also foreclosed on my home because I went from this whole six-figure, comfortable corporate job thing into like the mysteries of a broke entrepreneur not knowing how to make any money online, but feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do. And uh, that was, I guess, eight years now. Interestingly enough, when I was in in the corporate world, I was in technology. I was in software testing, software design. I used to, you know, try and think up solutions to my customers' problems. So I find it so interesting now that that's so much of what I do. I look at what the challenges are that people may be having or that I may be having, and I try and create solutions to that for people to help walk them kind of through the system. So when it comes to like A Course in Miracles and the way that, you know, you and I have connected and you going through the book for the last year, what really happened was I was at a conference in San Jose where I lived at the time, and it was like a, like a spiritual festival conference kind of thing at the convention center and I saw these people who were uh, talking about A Course in Miracles and they seemed so happy and so full of light and so peaceful and I was like wow you know what is that about and I, I learned about A Course in Miracles it was maybe July and I went looking up online to see is there anyone who does the lessons through email and I'm like okay so everybody starts January 1st lesson one and I'm like this is July this does not help me at all I'm not going to wait six months to start the course so I just put my, my brain to it and thought, well, I just learned about this email thing. Maybe there's a solution. And what I found was there's this solution where some email software can send out, you know, lessons in sequence, starting with when you sign up. I'm like, so I can make this system and then I can join this system. Right. <laughs> and, and that's really what started with the Course in Miracles lessons was this realization that I just couldn't solve a very simple problem of... I found out about the lessons and it wasn't January 1st. How do I start? That's how I more or less got from there to here, you know, trials and tribulations, successes and failures and the whole life of an entrepreneur. But that's really the basis of going from this self-centered, money-oriented, um, good heart-centered person. I mean, everybody loved me. I was always a kind person. That never changed. Mm -hmm. But what changed was my orientation from get more, be more, look more important to serve more, help more, right. and look inward more. Chris Cade is our guest, and wouldn't it be something if everyone on the planet, or just a small percentage of people on the planet, took what they were really good at and used it to help the greater good? Oh, yeah. That'd I mean, be amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's exactly what you did. You're still doing what you're really, really good at. 
you're just doing it in a whole new way. I have to go back and say it was your wife who said, you know, spiritual road or the highway, and you found a spiritual road, but the marriage didn't work. What happened there? Well, at the end of the day, um, we found that we had different paths, right. and that the relationship was no longer serving our highest good. And, and I really started to see that. And that's when I you know, decided to file for divorce and let us go our own separate ways personally. Isn't it funny how you had your hands and your eyes on all these spiritual texts, but that's not what changed your heart. It was the person-to-person action of people saying, thank you, this is helping me. That changed your heart. At the end of the day, it's about our interconnectedness. When we live in a vacuum or pretend like we live in a vacuum, we lose the opportunity to see how we genuinely affect other people. Because as human beings, we're social. We want to connect. We want to naturally create. And creating is what affects the world around us. And so that feedback loop of, I created something, it affected someone, that actually is ultimately what will change us. Because we, we, like I said, we can't change in a vacuum. There's nothing to bounce up against. Okay, I'm going to back up. I'm not going to say we can't do it because there are examples of monks who go into the Himalayas and, and hang out and, you know, in a cave and right. get enlightened after 10 or 20 years. But that's the such a rare exception that even the people who leave mainstream society to do that, go to a monastery with 20 or 30 other monks. And they're in the support of a society and they are getting that feedback, even if it's just from their their guru, their teacher, you know, giving them feedback and the people around them observing them. You know, we change socially, it's how we're wired. And there's a ton of books, you know, neuroscience books that are brilliant. Our brains literally are wired for social contact and for growth through social interaction. Yeah, yeah. So when we realize that, then it's easier to see there's a much greater value, not just in serving and connecting with others, but also having some kind of group or community when we can do our spiritual growth work with. Whether it's a Course in Miracles study group like some people love to do, or in my case, my deepest influence in my path is a school called the Diamond Approach. I started that in 2007. They have large group meetings, usually anywhere from 100 to 150 people. That's more like a workshop. They have small group meetings, which are usually uh, anywhere from 8 to 12 people in a small group. And then there's also one-on-one working with an actual teacher. And I found that that was the the core foundation of my transformation was, was that school. Because what I began to see was that there's tremendous power in many people coming together with the same intention. Yeah saw that in Washington, D.C., where 400,000 people meditated, and they actually lowered the crime rate for the time period in which they were meditating. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actual ways of seeing that, but in the scope of, of my transformation, you know, it's like it was the perfect combination for me of having a teacher to kind of help point me in a certain direction and see things in a different way or how I might not be looking at things, but then take us back into exercises and really, you know, what, what they call inquiry. What do I see inside myself? We're talking to Chris Cade. He is someone who inspires me daily through the emails I receive from him. I totally get what you're saying. Um, I don't do anything now without a support group. I have a Facebook page called The Circle of Women, and 
we just love being there to support each other for everything. I wouldn't think of doing anything without bringing it to the group first. You know, it feels so good. But what's the diamond approach? How do they do it differently? What captured your um, imagination there? I picked up Diamond Heart Book 1 and I read it. And there was one chapter in there. It was a chapter on truth. And that chapter changed my life. It literally changed the way I looked at the world. And I thought, if a book could change my life, what what could this school potentially do? So I went out and I checked out an introductory workshop. And my experience was really interesting because I walked in and at the time I really wanted joy in my life. I walked in and they were working on the relationship between our inner pain, experience of pain, and our ability to have compassion for other people. And how when we're not in touch with our pain, we have a blockage basically over our heart that prevents us from also connecting with the pain of others and therefore having compassion for them. They had all these different tools, inquiry tools, you know, how do we look at ourselves through different ways of questioning, not just one method of questioning, but multiple questioning methods to look within. And I thought to myself, you know, this is kind of a cool workshop, totally not useful to me. I didn't really realize at the time I wasn't in touch with my compassion, (laughs) so it was, you know, fully. And so it was kind of uh, the perfect workshop for me, but I didn't see it at the time. I was so early in my journey and my spiritual path. But I thought to myself, if they could do this for joy, if they have tools like this to work on joy, then I'm in. So I started coming. And every time I came, it was, I'm not all in, but this is interesting. I'll give it a try again. And after about six months of this, I looked back on my life and thought, oh my God, I have changed so much. Mm-hmm. I am not the same. I mean, I'm a phenomenally different person in just six months. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm all in. To give you just a, a couple examples of some of the things that really are transformational, and they really tie into what we talked about earlier about group work, is that whenever we have an inquiry exercise, they don't say, go write down tell me about the relationship between pleasure and pain or, you know, whatever you're exploring and go write it down and come back in 20 minutes. Though it is helpful and it's a good starting place, won't change some of the real deep wiring in our psyches around protecting ourselves. At the end of the day, it's our protective mechanisms that stop us from transforming our lives in the inside and the outside. And so these exercises, they would say, go back in a group of two, three, or maybe four people. And what you're going to do is maybe talk out loud about a prompt, you know, or maybe there might be a repeating question over and over. Tell me a way in which you hold back your pain. Tell me a way in which you don't speak your truth. And then what happens is that person will keep asking me this question over and over. And the only thing they say is thank you. And then I'll ask the question again. And there's usually another person witnessing this. What happens is after about two minutes, the conscious mind is giving all the answers it thinks is right. Mm-hmm. And then after about five to eight minutes, the mind starts kind of letting go of what it thinks is right. And the, the unconscious, the subconscious starts coming out. And all these answers that we didn't know that could be anything from our youth to our present to our fear of the future. I mean, things that we think are unrelated, all this stuff starts coming out. It's so transformational because suddenly we find a way to look inside and find what we couldn't find on our own because uh-huh. someone else is relating to us in a, in a new way. And at the same time, having two witnesses, one who's asking and one who is completely just watching and witnessing, it really affects the social part of our psyche that says, 
I will be rejected. I will be kicked out of the pack if I say this thing that is wrong. If I say honestly that I was at a point in my life where I didn't care about people and I only wanted to hurt because I was angry. If I say that in front of these people, they'll judge me. They won't want to be around me, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to say it anyway. And then at the end of this process, they say thank you, right? Because they're doing the same thing. They're letting go of all that was inside that never served them. And so this this group structure of going through this process multiple times in a weekend, you know, we usually do it three or four times, go through this process every single time we had a workshop weekend, sometimes more. It can be really intense, but I began to see that's why I was changing so much. And then on top of that, as I mentioned, there's two other structures within the school. There's a one-on-one teacher who supports that inquiry process just in a one-on-one way, but there's also what they call the small group. And that's Really, it's working one-on-one with a teacher, but with another seven to ten people present. And again, that is so powerful because it simulates these family dynamics. Mm. And so, you know, in social circles, you know, again, I'm so scared if I say the truth that my friends and family will kick me out of the club, you know, will will ostracize me, will reject me, will punish me, all these things. And so to do genuinely deep work in the presence of other people where we could be in tears and laughter. We never know what will come up from the depth. And to be willing to do that in front of people who mirror all of the situations where we had to protect ourselves from doing this, it creates an inner freedom that says, I can actually be me. I can find out who is me and I can be authentic again in a way that I lost when I was two or three or four years old. And so these structures, they worked me from the inside out over and over and over for, um, I stayed as an active student at school for about seven years. And then I left the large group and other things just because uh, time constraints and challenges and and practical elements in my life of getting childcare for me to go away for the weekend every month kind of thing. But I still work with my private teacher. I feel that draw back to a group of some kind because I've seen how tremendously powerful it is and how necessary it is. It's not just powerful. I mean, it really is. Like you said, you have your women's circle and that is the way that you know, you kind of bounce things off, whether it's inner or outer, to kind of start that dialogue and yeah. start that, that space. And it feels great to be part of a family that no one's ever going to kick you out of. We're talking to Chris Cade, and uh, he inspires me. And what has inspired him is the Diamond Approach. Two quick questions. Is this nationwide? And who founded the Diamond Approach? Yeah, it's actually worldwide. Mm -hmm. which is great. And the founder, his name is Hamid Ali, but his pen name is A.H. Almas. What I find most interesting about his approach is that he never planned on being a teacher, never planned on founding this school. And in the 70s, true nature, as he calls it, you know, divine God source, you can use the word that works for you. And in their path, true nature is what they use. And, you know, you felt like true nature was asking him to teach. It was just kind of flowing through him. And so the teaching became a dynamic unfolding. It wasn't like he 
had these ideas and he was like, how can I teach them? It was more like he was compelled to teach what was flowing through them. And in that way, he considers it a living teaching. And what he means by that is that he is always learning more from true nature. Right. So he has keeps going down that path, but it's never a guru-based path. He never says, believe me, this is what true nature is. I discovered it, and here is how you discover it. Mm-hmm. What he says is, here is the journey I have taken and what I have discovered. Here are some tools for you to find out what is true for you. And maybe you'll find out something similar to me, and maybe you'll discover an aspect of true nature that I don't even know about right now. Right. So it's really not guru. And then from there, the teachers aren't asked to teach material. They are asked to touch into true nature, into the qualities they will be teaching, and to embody that first. So if they are teaching the relationship between, say, pain and compassion, they are asked to tap into the true nature qualities of compassion, to really embody that, become the physical embodiment of true nature in that way, and then from there, use inquiry tools to let the students discover their own truths about this relationship between pain and compassion. In that then anything they discover, they can then, either students or teachers, they can roll up into the teaching itself of true nature. And they may go back to, you know, Hamid and say, hey, we discovered this totally new thing. And then Hamid will go, wow, that's interesting. I think I'm going to go look into that. It totally takes away the the guruification of a path and the idea that someone knows right and it's my job to learn the right thing. Right. Which I think can be a fault in many spiritual paths. Um, at least for me and the way I work, I love truth. I I love seeing the depth of my being, and it'll never work if someone's telling me, hey, this is what's true about you, Chris. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, it just it doesn't land. But when someone says to me, hey, Chris, I discovered this really cool thing about myself, and here's a way that you can see maybe it's true for you or maybe something different. Right. I get curious, and I want to try it out. That's really the brilliance of the way um, Almas has, has brought this teaching into the world, allowing it to be genuinely personal to each unique individual without the expectation, you know, just like the groups don't have judgment, right? You know, it's you say whatever's true, and you know that you're going to be accepted by the group. Similarly, there is this whole body of teaching that we can explore, but it's a living teaching. So even without the school, the teaching persists. And that's part of why I've been able to stay a student, you know, of the spiritual path and look for that and use those tools in my daily life to actually inquire with myself or sometimes get on the phone with a friend who isn't in the diamond approach and never was, but still can hold a safe space for me and say, hey, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What? Well, just ask this to me for like the next 10 minutes, please, you know, and, and dive in. Chris Cade is our guest. We have just about a minute left. What is it you would like people most to know about you? (laughs) You know, honestly, if someone's curious, look deeper. Whether it's about me, what we've said, for me, showing up and serving your audience is literally about that. Serving whoever's listening in the best way possible. So if they're curious about me, they can Google me, Chris Cade, uh, website chriscade.com. I've got half a dozen different websites and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, you know, all that stuff. Trying to just serve people and reach in whatever ways I can. If anything resonates, look further. And if not, still look further within, you know, either way, find your own truth. That's really what it's about. Chris Cade, I am so happy and surprised and delighted that we got to speak. And I don't know how we were first connected on email, but I'm grateful 
for all of the teachings and all of the information you brought my way. And now I'm talking to you today, so thank you. You're welcome. It's a gift and a pleasure to serve your audience and to help support you. That's Chris Cade. He's a million things, including a student of the Diamond Approach. Chris offers you lots of free resources at chriscade.com. And I invite you to check out my new website, too, casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. In fact, contact me there, and you'll automatically be entered to win some Broadway show tickets. That's just our way of celebrating summer fun. To be in the drawing, send an email via the website casey.co. Our thought for the day comes from Chris Cade, who said, The only way to get what you want is to risk being uncomfortable. The greater your gratitude for discomfort, the greater the opportunity. See you next week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning from 100.7 WHUD.